Thank you, and I'm not ashamed to bring it up again. If the Lord is stirring in your heart that you need to proclaim your faith through baptism because it's something you have not done in your Christian life, I encourage you to say, Lord, I'm in. I will do it. I will take that stand. Now, how's that for a, a second plug for baptism? Let's pray. Our Father, guide us as we go into your word. Lord, uh, this is so important, what you're going to say to us um, today in preparing us for your table. We know it, but Lord, we need to hear it again, and we need to grab onto it, Lord. And we need to think about it as we come to your table because of its importance. Father, stir in our hearts. Uh, make this truth fresh to us again because of its importance. In Christ's name, amen. This is the second to last time that you'll see this graphic. We're almost done with our summer series called But God. Every Sunday we've been looking at different scriptures that have that little phrase. A phrase that changes everything. It changes the text. It uh, moves us from something that was spoken of in the text to some truth about God that uh, uh, changes situations, changes the text, changes the flow of the text, uh, just changes everything. And today we're going to talk about one that really, really does change everything. If you would turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. This is such an important but-God truth that it comes up four different times in the book of Acts. Four different times this same but-God truth comes up in the book of Acts. And we're going to look at that as we continue to prepare for the Lord's table. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 2. First of all, let me remind you of what is called the gospel. We all know, okay? The gospel, the good news. Uh, you see there on your sheet, the gospel is the good news message that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was buried. And then was raised to life on the third day, appearing to many. This gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's the gospel. You'll notice two very important parts to that good news. We have the death of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death on the cross, taking upon himself our sins, paying our sin penalty for us. To pave the way for forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, peace with God, a personal relationship. But the gospel doesn't stop there. The second part of the gospel message is that he was raised on the third day. Death could not hold him. The grave did not conquer Jesus. He rose again. We serve a living Savior and Lord. That is the full gospel. Jesus died for us and he rose again. Usually we wait until Easter to talk 
about the rising again part. And when we come to the Lord's table, and rightly so, we focus on the first part of the gospel, the death part, the sacrifice on the cross for us. Today, I'm going to encourage us as we come to the table to think about both. Because it's necessary that both work together. And we see that in this but God truth today. So, I'm just going to take us through the four places where this but God truth appears. And then we are going to prepare ourselves to come to the table. Acts chapter 2 is the first place. The one who is speaking will be the Apostle Peter. This takes place ten days after the ascension of Christ on the day of Pentecost. Peter is addressing fellow Israelites who are gathered there in Jerusalem. Starting in verse 22, Acts 2. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter says, and this was pretty bold, he says to this crowd, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Death could not hold him. Death could not conquer him. He left the tomb alive. Chapter 3. In chapter 3, again we have the Apostle Peter speaking. A layman has just been healed. And Peter is addressing again his fellow Israelites. Let's start in verse 12 of chapter 3. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Speaking of the healing. Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him. From the dead. We are witnesses of this. Again, pretty bold. He says to the people, You killed the author of life, Jesus. But 
God raised him from the dead. Alive. Out of the grave. Conquered death. Chapter 10. Hope you're filling in the blank. It's pretty easy to figure out what it is. Chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 36. Again, it's the Apostle Peter speaking. This time he's in the home of a man named Cornelius, a Roman soldier. And he's speaking to Cornelius' relatives and friends who gathered there. Starting in verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Again, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead. Alive, conquered the grave. Death could not hold him. They killed him. They put him on the cross. The author of life. The Lord of all. But God raised him from the dead. And then chapter 13. In chapter 13, now, we have the Apostle Paul speaking. He's in a city called Pisidian Antioch, and he's addressing a group in a synagogue there. And uh, there are, of course, Israelites in the crowd, but also some Gentiles who have chosen to worship the Jewish God. Paul addresses them, <clears throat> starting in verse 26. Acts 13, 26. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Paul again says, he was executed. He was taken down from the cross, laid in the tomb, but God raised him from the dead.
I'd like you to do something with me. You might need your study sheet. You might not. I would like us to responsibly read these four statements. I will make the statement that precedes the but God truth. I want you as a group to then read the but God truth in each of these four places. Understood? Here we go. You put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Oh, boy, that sounds like Sunday morning, tired. Do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what you're saying? This is a but God that should be proclaimed, right? Let's start again. You put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Hallelujah. You killed the author of life. You're giving me chills. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. They took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. And that changes everything. Changes everything. Let me ask you a question. What if this particular but God truth did not exist in the scriptures? What if this particular but God truth didn't exist? Put it this way. What if the book of Matthew ended with chapter 27? What if the book of Mark ended with chapter 15? And the book of Luke ended with chapter 23? And what if the gospel of John ended with John 19? You wouldn't have Matthew 28, the resurrection. You wouldn't have Mark 16, the resurrection of Jesus. You wouldn't have Luke 24, the resurrection of Christ. You wouldn't have John 20, the risen Savior. Pretty important, but God truth. It changes everything. Now, someone might say, Well, at least we would have the crucifixion, the death of Christ for us. At least we would have Jesus paying for our sins. At least we would have the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God and peace with God. And we could die in peace with God. Hold on. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. (laughs) 
This is a well-known passage that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote dealing with the resurrection, the risen Christ. just want to remind you of, of some things he said, starting in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. But wait a minute. The death of Christ on the cross, carrying our sins in his body, becoming sin on our behalf, paying our death penalty, providing forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace. Even if there was no resurrection, there was still that. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. Do you grasp the importance of the resurrection in connection with the death on the cross and the payment for sin? If there was no resurrection, if this but God does not exist, then the forgiveness of sin, the reconciliation with God and peace with him are in the tomb with him. Because without a risen Savior who can conquer death, who can conquer the penalty for sin, who can conquer the grave, is still in the grave, then the forgiveness and reconciliation and peace that he provided on the cross is in the grave with him. The fact that he rose again means he's able to forgive, to cause us to be reconciled to God, to give us peace with God. Plus, a new birth, a living hope, eternal life, beyond the grave, beyond death. Is that an important but God? Wow. It's important. You see, the gospel is both. The gospel is good news about two very important things that come together, have to come together. Jesus died for our sins, paid the penalty, that we might be forgiven, be reconciled with God, and have peace with God. But you can't stop there. But God raised him. God raised him. He conquered death. Forgiveness and reconciliation and peace is not still in the grave. That experience rose from the grave with Jesus. And because he's alive, it can be our experience. As we place our faith in him. It's, it's interesting, back to the book of Acts. Just taking you to a couple of these places where we read this, but God. <clears throat> Let's see what the speaker says about how you should respond to this, but God. You know, you, you hung him on a cross, you killed him, but God raised him. You killed the author of life, but God raised him. You took his body down and put it in a grave, but God raised him. How should you respond? Well, in chapter 3, verse 19, 
Peter says, repent then. That's what you should do. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Have you experienced those times of refreshing? Have you experienced forgiveness of sin? Have you experienced peace with God? Have you experienced a new birth? Becoming a new kind of person. Because Jesus died and was raised from the dead, we need to repent and turn to God so our sins might be wiped out. They can be wiped out because he rose. He conquered death. Uh, chapter 4, just in between our, our chapters here, uh, Peter goes on and he's talking about salvation in verse 12. Chapter 4, he says, salvation is found in no one else. He's talking about Jesus. And there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. It's the Jesus who died, but also the Jesus who rose again. Only through him can we experience salvation. Only through his death and resurrection. And then if you go over to chapter 10, Peter talks again about a response to this. In verse 43, after saying, you took him from the cross, you put him in the tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Verse 43 of chapter 10. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in Jesus, the one who died for their sins and the one who rose from the grave, conquered death. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. That's the response that the apostles gave to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that leads to salvation to everyone who believes. No matter who you are, the death and resurrection together brings the power of salvation to those who believe, who repent of their sin and turn to God. Well, um, on your sheet at the bottom, we always have a a but God principle. This one's pretty easy because it just basically repeats the gospel. It says on the cross, Jesus Christ died in our place, paying our sin penalty. This act of love paved the way for forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace with our holy creator. But God by his power, then raised Jesus from the dead, also making eternal life and a living hope available to those who believe in him. Jesus was not defeated by death. The grave could not hold him. Oh yes, he was nailed to the cross, Oh, yes, he was rejected. Oh, yes, he paid for our sins. Oh, yes, he was taken down. His body was put in a sealed tomb. 
but God raised him from the dead. That's the gospel. So, as we uh, come to the Lord's table this morning, I'm going to ask you to to do something that we typically don't do at a communion service because we're so focused in on what we should be, the, the death of Christ. That's the idea of the Lord's Supper. Um, as we come to the table, we're going to have um, a graphic on the screen. So if we could put that up now. Um, if we get that graphic up here, uh, graphic person, uh, Teresa, can we get that graphic? She's taking notes feverishly there. Um, as we come to the table, focus on what's here. Focus on the bread and the cup, which are to remind us of the body of Jesus broken for us on Calvary. That body that took upon himself our sins. I want us to focus on the cup, its contents that remind us of the blood of Jesus. Shed for the forgiveness of sin. And as you give thanks to God for loving us so much that he would give his one and only son on the cross. At some point, I want you to look up. And remember, that's only the first part of the gospel. That Jesus is not still in the grave. And thus, everything he provided through his death in the grave with him, conquered by death. I want you to look up and remember the tomb is empty. And it's the cross and the empty tomb that put together present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the power to save to all who believe. Maybe today will be the day you will believe. Maybe today will be the day you will respond to the gospel and decide you need a time of refreshing. You need peace with God. You need the forgiveness of sin. You need living hope beyond the grave, your grave, that comes because of the death. And we're going to give thanks for that. But then we're going to look up and give thanks for the resurrection. He died on the cross for us, but God raised him that we might have eternal life, living hope. So, I'm going to read the words of the Apostle Paul, which we always read because it reminds us, it's the Bible's way of reminding us what, what we're doing here. 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. But when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as you come 
to the table, I encourage you to do exactly what Paul said. Proclaim the death of Jesus. Bring it back to the forefront of your mind. And give thanks as you eat the bread and drink the cup. But then I invite you to do a second thing. Look up. And remember he's not in the grave. Remember death did not conquer him. Remember he is alive. And because he's alive, you are forgiven. You have reconciliation with God. You have peace with God. You have eternal life. You have a living hope. He can give you the power to conquer death. So we thank him for the death, but today we look up and thank him for his victory over death and what that means to us. So let's pray, and then I'll invite you to come. Uh, come anytime you, you choose from down, up. Um, spend as much time as you need uh, at the table, serving, remembering, giving thanks. Our Father, we're ready to come to your table. Father, so many of us here have experienced your salvation because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We are so thankful for your grace, for the love you demonstrated in sending your one and only Son to the cross. Thank you that he was willing to take upon himself our sin and pay our sin penalty, providing forgiveness, reconciliation, peace with you. Thank you, Father, for the death of Jesus. But this morning we also thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that he is not in the grave. Death did not conquer him. And because of that forgiveness and reconciliation, peace are not in the grave with him. We can experience that. And thank you that we also get to experience life eternal and a living hope beyond our grave. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. And we acknowledge that there is no salvation except in Jesus. Thank you for the bread that will help us remind ourselves of the body of Jesus. Thank you for the cup that will help us remember the blood he shed for our sins. And thank you for the empty tomb that reminds us he's alive. We serve a living Savior. Let this be a special time for us. And maybe a special time, Lord, for somebody that you're drawing to yourself who needs to make that surrender and trust Jesus for their salvation today. May that happen right where they are in their seat. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.